your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Welcome to Autism One, a conversation of hope, brought to you by the Sensory Learning Center with host and mother of a recovering child with autism, Betsy Hicks. All comments, views, and opinions expressed are solely those of the host, guest, and callers. In the next hour, Betsy and her guests illuminate how right now there is more reason than ever for individuals with autism spectrum disorders and their families to have the best hope for the brightest future. Through education and conversation, there is hope. Here's your host, Betsy Hicks. Hello, everybody. Welcome. I am Betsy Hicks. Today's show is about testing. And if you've been really looking at moving forward in treating autism, Undoubtedly, you're going to find that your doctor wants to do certain tests and that through education you've probably learned that there are a lot of tests that are out there. For over 20 years, Genova Diagnostics, which is formerly Great Smokies, has been serving us well through comprehensive testing in many areas of health. Our guest today is Dr. John Furlong. He is a naturopathic physician and a graduate of Bastyr University in Seattle with 21 years' experience six and a half of those years with Genova Diagnostics, where he's consulted with physicians worldwide and developed innovative diagnostic test reporting methods. Dr. Furlong has a general practice in Connecticut and travels to Spain and Italy to consult with physicians and parents there regarding treatment of of children with autism spectrum disorders. Thank you, Dr. Furlong, for joining us today. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you, Betsy. One thing... Should we be so specific as to say that we are today talking about tests that are looking for markers in autism, or is it so general as to say these same tests are basically the same for any illness of somebody who's suffering chronically and you want to get better? Mm. That's a very good point because a lot of the testing that we do are general in nature, in that they look at a number of different metabolic processes. So they really can be applied for a number of different conditions, not just the uh, autistic uh, spectrum. So while they have certain applications in uh, in children or individuals with the, the spectrum within the spectrum, they certainly have a broader uh, use that can be uh, applied to many different individuals. Well, I think sometimes um, in in the quest for kind of finding the magic bullet, um, practitioners who sometimes special in autism and, and, and treating autism sometimes feel that, you know, they're kind of like spot, uh, looking for those spots as opposed to kind of looking at the whole body in general. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, I know that Genova has always been big in preaching the term functional medicine, mm-hmm. which is really about whole body healing. And by, by healing the whole body, watching it unfold and gradually heal itself. But I definitely think that when when parents are looking for very specifically, you know, they only have so many dollars to put towards testing, they do want to know what some of those main tests are, and that's what I really would like to talk about today. Sure. And I, I think the first test that I'd like to talk to you about, which you may or may not agree is probably the most done and, and well-needed in working with autism is that of the um, comprehensive digestive stool analysis, mm-hmm. which is um, so vital. It, maybe to me it seems more vital since I work with so many dietary re, um, situations. 
And I feel that um, there's so much that's unraveled in this one particular test that it really is a, an important marker to kind of know how to move forward with dealing with any sort of digestive issues. Well, it, it really does occupy a, a critical place in, in a, probably in the majority of, of children with uh, autistic spectrum conditions. Um, we look at the gut as a, uh, well, as actually the major intersection between us and the outside world. All the food we eat, you know, has to go through the GI tract, and that's a major challenge for the body to sort out what's good and what isn't good. It's also a location where obviously a huge number of bacteria and other organisms live, and that we, we have to have a dynamic relationship with these organisms that is mutually supportive and doesn't wind up uh, creating problems. This is the idea uh, that was developed uh, when and, and the test was developed with this idea so we can see a lot of what's happening in the GI tract with the, the stool analysis. So we look at markers that can give for example, calprotectin and eosinophil protein X can give us a pretty good gauge on if there is a significant degree of inflammation happening in the gut. A lot of practitioners will look very much at face value at that test, and they will say, you know, oh, look, you know, there's no yeast or there's no parasites and kind of just move on. Can you uh, touch on the fact that, you know, yeast and parasites and even bacteria, some bacteria can be cyclable and that, you know, some, it's a test that really does need to be repeated and double-checked through maybe some other different type of testing because of the fact that not everything will always show up. Mm -hmm. It is an important point because it, it really is a functional test that is looking at a body system that, but, but, that by nature has a good degree of variability to it. For example, if a person, you know, any person, an adult, for example, would be to uh, take in a diet which is high in, in protein, high in meats, uh, and do a test. And then three weeks later, after following a diet for a week which is high in vegetables and fruits and things like that, they do another test. There's going to be some differences because the, the material that flows through the gut is going to give some subtle, sometimes not so subtle, changes to the bacteria. So it's important to get a person eating their typical diet, I think, when they, the test is done. And to, yes, have the, uh, the appreciation that it is a dynamic situation and things are going to shift around a bit. And but when I you combine say, that with it, the... You know, Genova may not like this comment, but I always tell people to do it at the full moon, so I know poor Genova is going to get an <laughs> test at the full moon. But I always tell people to do it at the full moon because parasites surface at the full moon. I don't care how uh, witchcrafty that sounds. It's, mm -hmm. it's a true statement. Mm -hmm. And there's lots of research to support this. So having it done at the full moon can really show you some cycles of things that may not otherwise show up. Yeah, well, there, there's a lot we know about parasites. There's a lot we don't know because they're, they're integral relationships inside the gut and with the gut changing, with food changing, it, it's a very, very difficult thing to study. So we tend to look at these organisms uh, out of their environment in a very static, as in preservative-type environment where they're just basically killed. Mm -hmm. And we see them and say, okay, they're there, but what they do and how they do it is, uh, is very difficult to, to, to determine. So I think whatever we can do to optimize the test by collecting three samples, by collecting it, uh, sometimes after stirring up the liver a little bit, some practitioners do that. Um, I think those can, you know, add to the add to the picture. As a practitioner with many years of experience, 
if, if somebody were to, a patient were to say to you, um, but my child doesn't have gut issues, what would you, what would you say back to, to that? It, it, is, it is certainly possible that uh, a child on the spectrum doesn't have gut issues, although I would say it's uh, the vast minority of cases. <laughs> right. So the odds are that the gut is an integral part of what's happening. It's so strongly uh, enmeshed with the immune system, the immune uh, dysregulation that is very common with the uh, children on the spectrum is, is ultimately going to relate to the gut because about a third, uh, third to a half of the immune system resides in the gut. So if things are off kilter, the gut is going to be off kilter as well, and that creates a whole litany of, of liabilities that, uh, that we can see by doing the testing. And there may not be overt dramatic symptoms of dramatic pain or appendicitis or anything that the child's you know, really complaining about per se, but the, the environment there, the, the ecology of the gut is something that can make a big difference. I had a child in here just last night who doesn't present with GI symptoms, but when we did another test, the organic acid test, there's a huge amount of poorly digested proteins. And that is a big liability for kids, and, and we were able to see that with uh, with the test. Why don't you go into talking about the organic acid test? Well, it's probably my sort of almost tied for first choice as far as getting a lot of information about a lot of different systems. Organic acids are, are byproducts of normal metabolism. Uh, we're able to look at the metabolism of, for example, energy production. We look at products of metabolism from the bacteria or yeast organisms that reside in the gut. We look at uh, uh, compounds that are resulting from uh, catecholamine or neurotransmitter uh, activity. And we're able to see by looking at this urine sample uh, that there are high levels or low levels of some of these uh, side products or end products, and that tells us uh, a lot about what's going on metabolically. And is that... Is that the same, or is it different than doing just a standard metabolic test? Um, standard metabolic well, I don't, test. Does, I mean, does 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 Genova just? Is, I mean, is that their um, their basic overall metabolic? Does it also look at the vitamins and? Um, ah, I see. Um, it does indirectly, in the sense of if you're looking at a metabolic product, then you know certain nutrients. Uh, have to be present to make that product. Certain enzyme systems have to be uh, functioning, and certain cofactors, typically vitamins and minerals, right. that that provide the uh, the energy or the uh, uh, the capacity to function for those enzymes. Those have to be present too. So if there's a a byproduct that is particularly low or extremely high, one can then look upstream, so to speak, and say, okay, what are these enzymes involved in? What are the cofactors involved with these enzymes? Are there other signs or symptoms or signals that tell me that oh, vitamin B6 might well be an issue? Um, so these are some of the clues that we get by looking sort of downstream at the products and then looking back upstream at what how they got there. Okay, okay. So um, that's the organic that's organic the, acid, acid yeah. test, and that would be. So I have to know what is that tied for first on your list. Before we go to commercial, well, I, I think it pretty much ties uh, digestive uh, analysis and, and looking at the the whole digestive tract okay, and good. what there is. Well, it's it's not downhill from here, folks. So don't go away. We've got a lot of very important tests to go over and a lot of things that um, other doctors can consider to be their favorites as well. So don't very go good. Away. 
We'll be right back with Dr. John Furlong. A fresh look at today's health. Voice America Health and Wellness. We had a wonderful experience in our trip to the Sensory Learning Institute, and the main issue to sum everything up is that we went there with a child who was out of control and hyper, who had severe sensory issues and autistic tendencies, and we brought home a child who was vastly different. We brought home a child who plays with me and talks to me and looks in my eyes and tells me he loves me. The goal and focus of the sensory learning program is to enable the central nervous system to better process sensory information by simultaneously stimulating visual, auditory, and vestibular systems with light, sound, and motion. By challenging these three sensory systems to work together and adapt to multi-sensory input, this intervention often improves speech, perception, understanding, social interaction, coordinated movement, and the ability to learn. We invite all parents interested in sensory learning program for a child to complete the confidential assessment on our website at www.sensorylearning.com. Omega Institute is the country's leading center for holistic studies. Now you can experience selected workshops from Omega in the comfort of your own home. Join us for a live web broadcast with John Friend, the founder of Anasara Yoga. In this dynamic workshop, we learn a Hatha Yoga system that is a celebration of the heart and looks for the good in all people and all things. To find out more about our live web broadcast, log on to our website, www.eomega.org. That's www.eomega.org. Or call us at 800-944-1001. That's 800-944-1001. Hi, this is Mark Victor Hansen. You know me for Chicken Soup for the Soul, the One Minute Millionaire, and Cracking the Millionaire Code. And what I want you to know is that if you want to have rip-roaringly good health, listen to Health Crusades by my friend John Farley. Tune in to Health Crusades with John Farley every Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, only on Voice America Health and Wellness. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Welcome back to Autism One, a conversation of hope with Betsy Hicks. If you have a question or comment, call us toll free at 866-472-5792. Now back to the program. Here's Betsy. We are back with Dr. John Furlong talking today about Genova Diagnostic Testing a wonderful company, and you can go to their website. Um, Dr. Furlong, what, what is the website for Genova? Genova DX. Genova DX. So that's G-E-N-O-V-A-D-X.com? Mm-hmm. Okay. And we'll be talking about Genovations as well. Is, is that a, Because they have a different website in their own as Genovations, correct? I believe it is a subset of the... the okay, so we'll talk about... Work. We're going to be talking about the genetic testing in a little bit, but I want to talk more since we're talking about food conversion and all of the, meta, the metabolism. Let, let's go into um, some really other essential ones, such as essential fatty acids. Mm-hmm, Can mm-hmm. talk a little bit about that test? Well, essential fatty acids is a uh, another one of the, the critical pieces in, in autism uh, and many other conditions for that matter. The reason that it's so important is the, the basic building blocks of the brain, of the nervous system, uh, consist to a great extent of the fatty acids that we eat. And those fatty acids can be assessed very, very clearly and, and very uh, accurately by looking at the fatty acids that are composing the red blood cell membranes. So that's what the test is. It's, it's very straightforward in a way. It's basically getting a whole bunch of red cells, uh, 
dripping them down, extracting the oils there, and then seeing what the oils are inside or, or that comprise the cell membrane. And by telling uh, us that information, we know if the person has a uh, dietary picture that is really skewed towards the omega-6 oils, which is very common and can be somewhat problematic, or if they're getting adequate omega-3 oils, which are the typically thought of as the, the healthy beneficial oils, or if there are interfering oils present, it really gives us a very clear picture on what the diet has been over the previous uh, two to three months. This is a real important topic. I did a show probably just a couple weeks ago, three weeks ago or so, with Weston A. Price um, Foundation. Oh, yeah. Um, um, uh, <laughs> of course, I can't even think right now. Um, but it, it, it was, yeah, it was a wonderful. Sally Fallon, that's what I'm trying to yes, say. Yes. She was fabulous. And we talked a lot about uh, fats and there is so much to learn and understand, and this is such an important vital area. And I think one of the reasons and that I'm just speculating that it's so skewed right now and that people's tests are coming back so tremendously off is simply because we are not going back to our roots of the ways we ate fat. We, we are trying to, to change them and manipulate them and create artificials, and, mm-hmm. and we're not eating fat the way we used to eat it. And um, people are afraid of fat, and they don't understand that there's good and bad fats. So this is definitely a really important test if you haven't been um, watching fats and careful of it, because you can't. That's it's something that can easily be changed in a very short period of time in, in a body by once once you've received that test result back and know which direction you're headed in. Yeah, it, it's a very very clear clear picture and. You know, there's some supporting casts like uh, antioxidants protect the fats in the body, for example, vitamin E and selenium. Uh, those are important as well, but it, it gives a very clear picture. And it, it has broader ramifications, too, as, as we've seen just fairly recently. A, a large study was done looking at individuals that had had a, uh, a cardiac uh, uh, myocardial infarction, a, a heart attack. Mm-hmm. And the, the question that the, the study was looking at was, well, what can we do? What is the best treatment for people that have had one heart attack to prevent a second heart attack? And this is what they call a, a meta-analysis where they looked at uh, many, many studies from all over the world and sort of put them into a big funnel and figured out the best studies throughout the lousy ones and, and, and then come up with the answer. Uh, so I think it comprised some twelve or 13,000 individuals and what they came out with was the best treatment was actually fish oil. Wow. By a nose, it was clearly superior uh, by a nose to the pharmaceuticals, and the reason is because it's such a key player in how the whole cardiovascular system works and how the cardiovascular system communicates with itself. Yeah. And add to that the benefits in the nervous system, and it's just a huge area to look at. And the fatty acids control inflammation, which is a, a huge link with the uh, the autistic spectrum is the the level of inflammation. So if the fatty acids are off, there tends to be a hyperinflammatory state, which can help create a, uh, a real difficult system for the brain to uh, to function well. That's a great point. And, and for anyone listening and is taking that advice, please don't buy your fish oil at Walmart or Sam's or Walgreens. Oh. There's nothing that aggravates practitioners more than people who buy bad fish oil. <laughs> It is. It's so. It's so out there, and people are. They're, they're giving. They're getting more problems by taking bad companies' fish oils than than if they hadn't taken anything at all. 
Yeah, it's a liability. That the oils are, are are quite fragile, and they do oxidize and form peroxides very easily. So if a fish oil smells really bad and really fishy when you open it, it's probably not a good one. Yeah. It should be very clean and uh, almost no odor and, and very light in, in flavor, as the good and ones are. And need to be mercury-free. You need to yeah, make sure. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Okay. Uh, one other piece, Dr. Furlong, that... I, as a diet counselor for um, a decade, I see how, be it sensory reasons or many other different reasons, but a lot of these children do not eat meat. And it's a big problem in their lacking of amino acids. And um, to haphazardly assign amino acids can also be very dangerous to just say, well, all children need this amino acid and all children need that can also be a dangerous game. Um, you really need to fine-tune exactly what amino acids are needed to, to, to get progress in this area. So let's talk about the amino acid test. Yeah, the amino acid test is, uh, is also one of my favorite favorites because it does give a, a large amount of information about many different systems. It tells us about just overall nutrition, as you, as you mentioned. The question is: the person getting enough and absorbing the uh, sure. the proteins and amino acids that they're eating? Uh, are they digesting them well? Are they creating a lot of toxic byproducts or potentially toxic byproducts that are uh, creating some problems? Are they uh, showing signs in the in the relationship of these amino acids and their products of nutritional imbalances? For example, lack of magnesium, lack of vitamin B6. These are some really important questions that show up pretty clearly on the test. And again, if there's problems there, it's a it's a very important level to address because it's a it's what I call a foundational thing. If there isn't enough protein uh, to go around, then it's really hard for the body to try to repair and to function optimally. Okay. Um, also, in what, what else? Let's see. Let's talk. Since we're on the subject of food, let's maybe we should talk about food antibody testing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, you do an IgG uh, food sensitivity test, and, and this is important that people understand that uh, you do IgG. I'm sorry, uh, you do I, you do both. You do, you IgG. do both, right, right? Right. And in this application, the IgG is mostly what what is being done. Right, and and that is mostly what is the situation when dealing with autism. Right. Um, IgE uh, allergies are not anywhere near as prevalent in the majority of children as they are with IgG simply because IgG are mostly caused by all the factors that are, that are huge in autism, the, the um, overactive immune system, the, the imbalanced immune system, the um, trigger of heavy metals, all of those, uh, the leaky gut syndrome, all of those that uh, promote the IgG food antibodies. Mm-hmm. So um, you're t- you test for, I, I don't remember how many foods that the, the Genova test uh, actually I think it winds up being them. close to 90. Okay. And, and the, the, the important, most... yeah, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. No, please. I'd... Well, just I was thinking that, you know, for, for people out there listening, uh, you know, the idea of testing foods and finding out which ones are problematic is can be a little intimidating because food is, is such an important part of our lives. The, the important thing that I look at as a clinician with these tests is it typically is a, it's a moving target. It's a, it's a picture that changes. So while we may identify you know, a dozen foods that are reactive, and, and maybe of those, six of them are, are very reactive. It's important to take those out of the diet for a time, but it's not a permanent fixture. 
the idea is that if there's a lot of food reactions going on, it's another reflection that the immunity and the gut need attention. And yeah. if we are able to do that with our treatments, support the gut, repair the, the lining of the, of the digestive tract so it's absorbing better and better functioning, help with enzymes, which is another very key issue. Mm-hmm. If we're able to do these things, that over the course of uh, three to six months, a lot of those food reactions will diminish and that removing the foods temporarily essentially gives the body a break and a breather to say, okay, I don't have to deal with this burden of these reactive foods. I've got all these good nutrients and and compounds coming in to help repair, and a lot of progress can be made in a relatively short time. So I look at that test as, you know, some people are really afraid of it because, oh, geez, I don't want to know what I can't eat, Um, but it, it helps to really speed up the gut healing process is to take those reactive foods out of the picture. And please, everybody who has been considering or is doing a gluten and casein-free diet because of the neuropeptide reasons, right. this has nothing Different to do topic, with that. Yeah. So many times will people get the test back and they'll call and they say, hey, I can do gluten and casein again. I'm like, oh, no, you can't. <laughs> right, so, different mechanism altogether. It, yeah. Exactly. Um, and I couldn't agree with you more. Um, these are markers for the fact that it's mostly you need to take attention to the immunity, you need to take attention to the gut, and the, this can can get better over time. Right, um, right. If uh, the, the IgE, which are also, you, do, you have a few, more, you have a few mm-hmm, tests for that on there as well, too. Sure. Those are more long-term, however. Um, right. Those are going to be around, those are a lot more innate, and they have a much higher memory cell than, than the ones that are IgG. Right, and they're usually more apparent. I mean, these are the things... The IgE reactions are the ones where typically people will get hives or they'll get a very yes. strong reaction to a food. So oftentimes it's no great surprise when it shows up on the test. One thing I would say is that on the IgG testing, we do include a total IgE, which is important because there there is a relationship between individuals that tend to have a, an over uh, overzealous IgE response and those that tend to have more problems with IgG reactions. So we, we include that on there so we can tell is a person of the category that would be called atopic or uh, eczema in the history, uh, an allergic type history, then that's going to shade the uh, the meanings a little bit and say, okay, if the IgE is really high, then we may have to treat this a little bit more uh, aggressively or with a little bit more time, a little bit more uh, completely. That's a good point. I also want people to know that if a food does not come back on an IgE and IgG test, and you still know that you or your child has a problem with it, please continue to remove it. There yes. are many reasons Absolutely. that a food can bother a, a person. Uh, it could be pH upsetting. It could be salicylates and phenols. It could be so many different reasons. And these are these are important markers to get, and a very important test to do. But don't um, don't live by it on that. And it's it's a good. You know, what I like it for, honestly, Dr. Furlong, is especially foods that you would never expect. Right. That, you know, I remember we had somebody who came back and was just, you know, outrageously high for, for carrots. And it's like the mom never would have expected that that was one of the foods that she was going to mm-hmm. have to take mm-hmm. away initially. So it was a really important test to have for that. So I, I, I do recommend this test as, as a good basic marker. And yours is an extremely affordable test as well, too. Mm-hmm. Um, we have to take another break. Uh, we'll Very good. get back. Let's continue on. We need to talk about those genomics testing. So we'll yes. get back with talking about genetic testing. We'll be right back with Dr. John Furlong. 
Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health and Wellness. We had a wonderful experience in our trip to the Sensory Learning Institute, and the main issue to sum everything up is that we went there with a child who was out of control and hyper, who had severe sensory issues and autistic tendencies, and we brought home a child who was vastly different. We brought home a child who plays with me and talks to me and looks in my eyes and tells me he loves me. The goal and focus of the sensory learning program is to enable the central nervous system to better process sensory information by simultaneously stimulating visual, auditory, and vestibular systems with light, sound, and motion. By challenging these three sensory systems to work together and adapt to multi-sensory input, this intervention often improves speech, perception, understanding, social interaction, coordinated movement, and the ability to learn. We invite all parents interested in sensory learning program for a child to complete the confidential assessment on our website at www.sensorylearning.com. The challenges we face day to day create physical, intellectual, spiritual, and emotional tensions, which affect the way we feel. Our body sends us signals, pain, stress, worry, that originate in how we think, feel, or behave. We're all a little crazy. Host, clinical social worker and therapist, Debbie Benching, and her expert guests look at the various influences that mold professional and public views of mental health, treatments, and methods to achieve emotional well-being. Learn to manage difficult circumstances in life and relationships with integrity and confidence express emotion more clearly and gain depth and choices that lead to mental and physical health in your relationship and your life tune into we're all a little crazy with debbie benching broadcasting each wednesday at 8 a.m pacific 11 a.m eastern on the voice america health and wellness channel we're all a little crazy clarity healing and change through personal growth Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Welcome back to Autism One, a conversation of hope with Betsy Hicks. If you have a question or comment, call us toll free at 866-472-5792. Now back to the program. Here's Betsy. We have so many other wonderful tests to talk about. We are here with Dr. John Furlong and talking about the Genova testing and um, would like to, we're going to continue on with talking about a lot of the, the tests that they do, including um, the toxic element and hair analysis that will go in towards the end. But right now we need to talk about, I think, where Genova and or other, as also known as Genovations in this particular situation, is really, really ahead of the bar. I mean, to the extreme. And I, um, the, the testing that, you all do for all of the um, genetic pieces are uh, so much more comprehensive than any of the tests that we've certainly seen out there. Can you talk a little bit about um, what genetic testing is about, what it means? Mm-hmm. Good. Genetic testing has that sort of, uh, I don't know, reputation or feeling of a, the sort of 21st century and spaceships and all that. and and maybe a little bit scary for people, but it, it is a very, very practical and useful tool when put in the proper context. Basically, what we look at is, and, and the test that's used most and perhaps most relevant, is what's called detoxygenomic. It looks at enzyme systems in the body that are genetically determined that help us to break down and detoxify chemicals and heavy metals, uh, toxic elements, uh, in the environment of our bodies. So, 
there's a number of these different genes. Uh, there's some fairly common uh, glitches that can happen so that the genes don't work quite as well as they might. And if that happens, for example, there's a compound called glutathione, uh, a good number of people lack one of the enzyme systems to manufacture glutathione uh, or a portion of the glutathione. And what that translates into is that these individuals are going to be or have the potential of being much more sensitive to various toxic compounds, and they're going to have a harder time clearing toxic elements from their bodies than would otherwise be the case. And this is what we see. I mean, when one tests a, a two-year-old child and sees huge amounts of lead and cadmium or antimony, and they, they weren't living in a very toxic environment, it's like, well, where did this come from and why is it accumulating? Typically, it's because they have one of these genetic little glitches or hiccups that they don't clear the, the elements quickly. This test allows us to identify that and to understand that, ah, okay, we're going to really have to support the glutathione system in this individual. So it gives us a window into a world which we're otherwise very much guessing about. A huge piece, glutathione. If, you know, I, I think if I had to say that there's one one type of a... Uh, overall, you know, magic bullet that really helps the most amount of people and can really change um, dramatically uh, the outcome of so many of the children that we work with. Glutathione is a huge, huge player in that. Um, and, of course, the way that you administer is, is a very fragile piece, but that's a topic for a different show. Um, <laughs> right. But, but, the, but the glutathione is, is a big part of understanding. Once you know how much potential you have for making glutathione, you really have a much better direction as to where you're going. Going back to just genetic testing in general, Mm -hmm. and um, for people to really understand that a lot of of us who work with autism have a very strong belief, and I don't know if you would agree with this, Dr. Furlong, but it's that there is a definite genetic predisposition to autism but it's undoubtedly the environmental factors that send us over the edge. So in other right. words, by doing tests... I would totally agree, yeah. Okay, great. So, so in doing tests like this, we, what, we're, what we're seeing is not that autism is genetic, but that everything, heart attacks, they're all, they're, there's always a genetic predisposition. It's what happens in the environment, cancer, uh, they're all, what happens in the environment that sets us over that edge. And test, by testing the genes... You know what you were set up to be, and to, to have a genetic test done for a child is truly one of the greatest gifts you could ever give them. Uh, for their first birthday, where they could care less about any toys, get them, a, <laughs> get them some good genetic testing, because that is something that you've got it for a lifetime. You don't have to repeat it. Once you know the genes, you know the genes, and you know how to proceed forward in their life. Mm-hmm. So, Yeah, an important piece to that is... is you know, a lot of times the, the idea is that, oh, the genes are just these, you know, mechanistic things that we have no chance of modifying. And, and on one level that's true. We can't modify the actual genes themselves, but we can change how they talk. In other words, we all have genes in our bodies that have been turned off. For example, when we're uh, inside our mother's, we're making uh, a type of blood called fetal hemoglobin or a type of uh, hemoglobin. As we uh, are born and breathe oxygen and the, the changes in the pressure in the lungs and various other things happen, our genes that produce that fetal hemoglobin actually turn off and we start making adult hemoglobin. 
So we still have the genes, they're just turned off. Well, that applies for many, many, many genes. And so part of the, the challenge and the, the great interest in, in looking at this genetic testing is not to see it's sort of this yes or no, black or white thing, but to say, okay, if certain genes are present, how do we modify their expression so that there's less of a problem? You know, everybody has certain markers that could be looked at as negative. But if you look at ways to get around that nutritionally, to counteract that effect with other impact, uh, that is a very powerful thing, and that's the information that one is able to get from the genetic uh, testing. Important stuff. Uh, methyl- the methylation part, which I'd like to, the part of the uh, genomics detox test, mm-hmm. um, so many of our children have methylation problems. Um, oh, yeah. and, and this kind of goes into the, the methylation detox as well as I think it's your cardio detox, which talks about the MTHFR factor mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and how methylation plays such an important key role in um, our, our, everybody's ability to regulate mood and um, depression. You can have you can be prone towards all different types of bipolar, even alcoholism. All of that can be a, a marker and problems if if your methylation is off. Um, so this, there's there's two particular tests I believe that um, Genovations does. I think it's in the cardio as well as the detox where you can measure methylation. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, the MTHFR is is one of the big ones, and it has a lot of research towards it. Um, again, it, it's it's that idea of taking a susceptibility, and first of all, learning about it, realizing that it's there, and then saying, okay, if this is susceptibility, susceptibility. If a person does, therefore, need to increase their intake, say, of folic acid, um, very straightforward thing to do, uh, very non-expensive, very, very, uh, very uh, basic treatment. But over time, it can really change what happens at the cellular level, right. and over you know years and decades, that can make a huge difference in overall uh, life. And same thing with looking at. Uh, the presence or the difficulty with certain antioxidant enzymes, if there's a liability there. Well, okay, taking more vitamin C or vitamin E or a combination of antioxidants, which which tends to work best, um, is really going to make a difference, not in a day, not in a week even, but over time uh, can make a huge difference in the, the overall health of an individual. Definitely. So these are some of the liabilities we can identify, and then we have very clear uh, directions as far as how to how to modify those. Now, still on, on the subject of um, genetic testing, and once again, to go to the website to learn more about the genetic piece of Genova. So there's Genova, which is the, the big umbrella, and then under that is Genovations. Am I saying that correctly? Mm-hmm. That's the sort of branded name. For okay, and Genovations are the, the DNA testing that they do, and you can go to Genovations.com, actually. I think I was there this morning, so um, I'm pretty sure that's what their web, the website's Genovations. It's mm-hmm. G-E-N-E. Um, V-A-T-I-O-N-S. Spelling test, yeah. Yeah, it's like I'm trying to do it without writing it down. It's way too much for this time of the day. Oh, it's G-E-N-O. Yeah, thank you. Genovations. Yeah, there we go. Thank you. I appreciate your correction. I normally spell well. Um, Okay, but while we're still on the subject, let's talk about the immune, um, because that's another very, very important, especially towards looking at uh, cancer and the concern of that. Now, I know that a lot of um, people that are dealing with autism, the, the last thing on their mind is cancer, but uh, yet the immune system in general is 
absolutely huge with um, looking for markers of balance. And what, what are you looking for mostly in the immune testing? Well, it looks for um, the cytokine pathways and the cytokine families, if you will. <clears throat> this is under the, the rubric, and, and most of the literature is talking about it as the Th1 versus Th2 cytokines. Right. And the idea is that the immune system could be viewed as a pendulum, uh, and the pendulum should be kind of hanging straight down, as, as gravity would have it. Um, when we get a viral infection, it swings, say, towards the left, and the immune system is activated, and we fight viruses, and that's all fun and games, and the virus gets knocked out, and it drops back down to that middle point. If a person is immunosuppressed, maybe they have to have a kidney transplant or something like that, so they're given immunosuppressive drugs, or, or maybe, God forbid, they have HIV infection, so their immune system is really shut down. The immune system kind of shifts to the right, and there's other liabilities for that. So the immune system should have this ability to, to move back and forth uh, and remain in balance. What we find in the immunogenomics uh, testing is that some people have a genetic predisposition to be either hyperimmune or hypo, meaning low immunity, and that creates certain liabilities. In, in the autistic spectrum, it's very common that there is a hyperimmune state. Certain yes. parts of the immune system are extremely reactive. Right, right. The, the parents will always brag, oh, my child never gets sick. Yeah, and yeah. That's, that's a big piece of that. Right, which, which is good on one hand because, but, you know, cancer is unlikely to develop in that situation, but it creates a lot of wear and tear in other systems. Right. including the nervous system and the gut and the brain. Right. So right. That's, uh, that's the picture that we get by looking at those cytokine uh, gene markers. A wonderful, wonderful test to do as well, too. We are going to have to take another break. Um, when we get back, let's talk about the um, toxic element test, uh, the hair analysis. Yep, well another, as... another real key, uh, key aspect. Great. Sounds good. We'll be right back with Dr. John Furlong. Learn more. Live better. Voice America Health and Wellness. We had a wonderful experience in our trip to the Sensory Learning Institute. And the main issue, to sum everything up, is that we went there with a child who was out of control and hyper, who had severe sensory issues and autistic tendencies. And we brought home a child who was vastly different. We brought home a child who plays with me and talks to me and looks in my eyes and tells me he loves me. The goal and focus of the sensory learning program is to enable the central nervous system to better process sensory information by simultaneously stimulating visual, auditory, and vestibular systems with light, sound, and motion. By challenging these three sensory systems to work together and adapt to multi-sensory input, this intervention often improves speech, perception, understanding, social interaction, coordinated movement, and the ability to learn. We invite all parents interested in sensory learning program for a child to complete the confidential assessment on our website at www.sensorylearning.com. 
Omega Institute is the country's leading center for holistic studies. Now you can experience selected workshops from Omega in the comfort of your own home. Join us for a live web broadcast with John Friend, the founder of Anasara Yoga. In this dynamic workshop, we learn the Hatha Yoga system that is a celebration of the heart and looks for the good in all people and all things. To find out more about our live web broadcast, log on to our website, www.eomega.org. That's www.eomega.org. Or call us at 800-944-1001. That's 800-944-1001. To perform at your maximum potential, you need to have all aspects of your life working properly. On Mind, Brain, and Body, Dr. Michael John Kell will bring you honest, open discussions concerning your physical, mental, and financial health. If you're ready to find purpose and meaning in your life, tune in to Mind, Brain, and Body every Friday at 8 a.m. Pacific. Mind, Brain, and Body on Voice America Health and Wellness. Radio dedicated to your health, wealth, wisdom, and purpose. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Welcome back to Autism One, a conversation of hope with Betsy Hicks. If you have a question or comment, call us toll-free at 866-472-5792. Now back to the program, here's Betsy. We are back here with Dr. John Furlong and talking about the tests that are done through Genova Diagnostic. And the, uh, we've, we've gone over quite a few, from all the way from metabolic straight through to genetic testing. Right now, what I'd like to talk about is the hair analysis, which is the toxic element. I think it's called toxic element hair analysis, if I'm correct. Mm-hmm. In the name of that. Well, there's a number of ways to look at elements. Okay. Uh, we can look at it in hair. We can look at it in urine. Okay. So let's let's start let's start with the hair, because mm-hmm. this is a test that was being pushed to the extreme when it first came out that mercury may be the cause of a lot of the autism that is out there. Um, so everybody was running to get hair tests, and I think that the results were confusing people because what the hair test is measuring is what it's outputting, not what it's keeping in. Mm-hmm. Can you explain why that, that so that when somebody sure. reads and they see that their mercury is not that high, or that their you know, that it's not that, that that the heavy metals are not very high? What that doesn't mean that they don't have any heavy metals. Mm-hmm. Well, the hair has been looked at for a, a good number of, of decades, really. It's, it's convenient. It's non-invasive. Kids don't mind, generally speaking, getting their hair cut. And especially for younger kids under, like, five or six years old, it, it's reasonably good at showing what's been circulating around. But it's not perfect. Um, it is viewed, hair is viewed in this context as an excretory product. In other words, what the body's trying to get rid of or able to get rid of will show up in traces in the hair, and then we can see how much of it's there. Um, some of that is based upon the, the chemical characteristics of the element. Uh, for example, mercury is more difficult to show up in the hair because it, it tends to like fattier tissues, and so it doesn't, doesn't move into the hair as well as, for example, lead or cadmium might. Um, but the hair is a reasonable test to do for a screen, and in younger kids it's pretty reflective of what's going on. Uh, urine testing is a little bit more challenging in the sense of uh, we're able to see what the body is getting rid of through the urine. Uh, blood testing is often done. It's, it's uh, in some cases, unfortunately, still the standard for level of toxicity. Uh, but again, certain elements 
don't stay around in the blood very long. Lead is a good example of that. The body wants to get it out of the blood, so it doesn't stay around in the blood very long, and it does bioaccumulate in, for example, bone. So over a period of years, a person can have a relatively high level of accumulated lead that won't really show up in the blood because it's it's not staying there. It's moving into other tissues. So we have, uh, depending upon the age of the person, depending upon their sensitivity, depending upon what their history is and what the, the, the questions are, we can look at any one of these uh, sources to look at the presence of uh, toxic elements. The wonderful study that was done, I, I know it was originally presented by Amy Holmes and um, Dr. Stephanie Cave about the output of, of heavy metals in children was is, is a, it's, a, it's a wonderful study and it really brought a lot of awareness to the hair. What they had done in the study is they had taken um, uh, very young children and, and this a lot of this research you can find in many places. I Dr. Ne- uh, excuse me, uh, Neil Miller's books on mm-hmm. on um, vaccines uh, have a lot of the studies and those wonderful books that Neil Miller's written. Um, but the the study basically shows that if the child is not getting out heavy metals, if the hair if there are no heavy metals prevalent in their hair, then these were the children that were more likely to develop autism. So you can actually I have some I've always wanted to do this is to take some of my son's baby hair, which I had saved from his first haircut, and get a hair analysis done of that because I think it would be very interesting to see what mm-hmm. was coming out. More than likely, due to how tremendously toxic and sick my son was at the beginning, he probably was not getting anything out. He everything was going in and nothing was coming out. So um, sometimes this test really needs to be looking looked at in the reverse end. Um, but but I think that it's really important that you mention the fact how you mentioned that with the urine and with the blood, you know, it's that's today. That's that's not what it was right. even a few days ago in some cases. So you have to, um, you can, it, it's a good idea to get a couple different testing and also, you know, I guess the bottom line is, are you making glutathione? Because right. if you're not yeah, making glutathione, yep. then you can, you can bet that the heavy metals have accumulated. Mm-hmm. And uh, so... That's that's a good piece. Now, the fecal metal test, which um, we use and so do so many other practitioners use in, in working with when you're taking the metals out through some form of chelation, be it mm-hmm. natural or um, chemically-based chelation, uh, the fecal metal is a good test for monitoring how much um, metals are coming out at that at that time. Yeah, it depends upon the metal and the chelator used. Certain, certain chelating substances uh, have a preference, if you will, or a metabolism such that they're excreted through the kidneys, and others uh, bind things and are excreted through the bowel. So it, it depends upon the circumstances of the uh, the treatment. Okay. Okay. That's important. Um, before we talk about this whole general picture and summing this whole thing up, mm-hmm. I would like to just mention the thyroid um, and the comprehensive thyroid functioning mm-hmm. test that Genova does and, and, and why how this could relate to autism. Well, certainly the thyroid is is a, a major part to the the hormonal cascade. It uh, is sort of uh, the thermostat of things as far as how much activity the the cells are going to generate. Um, the test that uh, Genova provides looks at a number of factors, including the standard thyroid test that one would get at any other lab. We also look at the thyroid antibodies, which 
disturbingly to me, I'm finding in more and more young individuals. Typically, it's something that we would look for in in people in their fourth and fifth decades as being fairly common, but I'm seeing it in 10, 12, 13-year-old individuals, and that's just, you know, very disturbing. And I think it, uh, the antibodies can show also that the immune system is uh, is not in a very good balance, so that's another link there. Uh, we also look at reverse T3, which is a hormone that's produced under significant metabolic stress, and that may well be the circumstances in some of these autistic kids because metabolically they're having such a hard time or they're not absorbing nutrients well. Their body's sort of in a almost a starvation state, and that's where you start to see the reverse T3, which which kind of cancels out the, the normal T3. So it, it is almost like shutting down the metabolism. And therefore, it's very hard to get normal uh, developmental uh, changes when the uh, reverse T3 is elevated. So that's one that uh, occasionally can come up as well. Okay. That's important to know. And all that soy that these people, that people are putting into their diet, be very careful because that can can put your thyroid off very, very quickly. Yeah, I, I must say the one, this one uh, 9, 10-year-old girl that I saw, she was eating a, a lot of soy. She had uh, uh, TSH that is was higher than I've ever seen before. She had antibody levels that were just on the ceiling. Yeah. Uh, she changed her diet. We did a number of treatment things, and, and without any official medical treatment uh, other than uh, naturopathic treatment and, and uh, dietary changes, she's basically back to normal for after about a seven, eight-month uh, time frame. That's great. And That's soy was seeming to be a big part of that picture. So let's look at that picture and, and that big picture for a lot of the, yep. those who are listening today. And so many choices, so many tests. Oh, yeah. And, and cost is undoubtedly a factor. How, how do you recommend going about the, the whole approach? Well, in some of the presentations I've given, I've tried to simplify it, which is a, a daunting challenge, uh, simplify the autistic spectrum. And the idea that I use is that, well, there's, there's four major themes that we clearly know about. The immune system, the relationship of the gut and the immune system, the presence of uh, toxic elements, and the function of certain metabolic processes, including uh, detoxification processes as well as just uh, uh, cofactor needs. So when we look at those four things, we can, to a great degree with the testing, categorize an individual as leaning towards one or sometimes two, uh, sometimes more, of those different categories, and that means that we're we're focused instead of looking at the whole universe of potential testing or potential treatments, we're looking at a more defined area to say, okay, here's a kid that has a lot of GI symptoms, a lot of GI markers showing up on the test. Um, let's focus on that. Let's really work on getting the gut better first. And when one takes that approach, generally you see changes happening a little bit faster, a little bit more briskly. And the, the, the difficulty of doing that is lessened because the person isn't having to give, you know, 20 different supplements for, for 15 different reasons. So I try to focus it into those categories, immune, gut, toxic elements, or metabolic liches. And if there's key markers in any of those, that's where we go first. Important to note. Well, I really appreciate all that you've directed us today. This is Betsy, it has been an absolute pleasure. Oh, thank you for you. all the work you do and the, the message getting out and people um, realizing that there really are many things that can be done with uh, without a lot of wear and tear in many cases. It's just a matter of getting some good information. You know, Dr. Furlong, in our last few seconds here, um, I think 
that it's important that these tests are available to any physician, but the interpretation is going to be highly differential depending on who you're choosing to go with. Right. So um, I believe Genova has a list of um, practitioners who use a yes. lot of their tests. Uh, if a patient has a question, they can call up with their uh, zip code, and we can give a list of uh, practitioners in the in the area. That's great because that, that you have to know that the interpretation, the tests are going to reveal one piece, but the interpretation is going to be very vast among who you're going with. So ask a lot of questions. Make sure you're really on board with the practitioner you're choosing because uh, you don't want to spend the money on the test and then have the results come back and, and not even get a real true interpretation of it. All right, so the team approach works best and the information and observations of the parents are invaluable to the physician. That is uh, a primary, a primary thing. It's very true. Well, thank you. Thank you very much for, for being on the show today, and we'll be back next week. Everybody, uh, the, it was there was a confusion. The show that was supposed to air last week um, on the whole Joe Barton piece is going to air next week. So please um, listen to that show on Election Day. Be here. We look forward to having you. Take care, everyone. And remember Bye-bye. to vote. Yes, I don't forget to vote. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. The Sensory Learning Center would like to thank you for listening to Autism One, a conversation of hope. To contact Betsy or get more information, visit AutismOne.org. Tune in next Tuesday for another hour of education and conversation on Autism One, a conversation of hope with Betsy Hicks.